You're listening to Hayes Radio Network, Cannabis Lifestyle Radio. The business of cannabis is brought to you by Cash Tech Currency Products, North America's leading cash management provider for cannabis retailers. Cash recyclers, smart safes, software and services, Cash Tech has everything the cannabis retailer needs to track, manage, and secure the cash earned in the dispensary. Don't take chances with your cash. Call Cash Tech and solve the problem. Visit www.cashtechcurrency.com to learn more. You're listening to Hayes Radio Network, Cannabis Lifestyle Radio. This is the business of cannabis. Welcome to a special edition of the Business of Cannabis. I'm Dave Skye here with Matt Cook, my co-host. We're doing something a bit different this show. We're bringing you two interviews we did recently at MJ Unpacked, a cannabis trade show held at the Mandalay Bay Casino in Las Vegas. Uh, MJ Unpacked is a new trade show, and it's for the executive crowd to network and talk about brand and market developments and, I guess, the other super massively important topics uh, C-level types like to chat about. Presumably, the noise you hear in the background is precisely that. Uh, today, we'll be bringing you two interviews we did at MJ Unpacked with uh, two very dynamic individuals. Uh, first off, Vince Ning from Navis. Uh, Matt and I think you'll be hearing a lot from Vince over the next few years, as he and the Navis team are looking to become the Amazon of cannabis, basically offering a platform that picks up, warehouses, tests, and delivers cannabis products, along with offering analytics and, and other uh, services, they even credit. Uh, it's an impressive company. Uh, they're in California now, but uh, plan to take over North America eventually. So we'll chat to Vince about that. Second, uh, we talk with Daniel Berman from Cannabis BPO. As the name suggests, Daniel's crew provides business process outsourcing for any cannabis business. Uh, basically, if you have a person doing a task in your organization, uh, Cannabis BPO can take over and do it for you. Uh, Business process outsourcing is nothing new, but it's definitely new in cannabis, and so we thought it was worth checking out. So let's do that and check out two potentially very powerful players in the cannabis space, Nabis and Cannabis BPO. This is Dave Sky along with Matt Cook bringing you interviews we did at the Mandalay Bay Casino on the exhibition floor at MJ Unpacked in Vegas. And this is the business of cannabis. So welcome, Business of Cannabis, and we are at MJ Unpacked, a conference for executives in the retail and branding space, and we are excited to talk to Vince Ning from Navis. A serial entrepreneur might be unfair, but certainly Vince has, uh, judging from uh, him, uh, too many accomplishments for his age. Uh, <laughs> Co-founder and president of two other software ventures, Vince is currently founder and co-CEO of Navis, California's largest licensed cannabis wholesale marketplace platform. Supports over 100 cannabis brands. Uh, Vince selected for the Forbes 30 under 30 for enterprise technology, along with entrepreneur top 100 cannabis companies. 
uh, in July, NAB has raised uh, over $23 million to help with expansion. So this is a company to look out for. Um, you know, a software engineer, I'll be asking Vince to dumb it down for us a little bit and uh, explain the world of cannabis wholesaling and distribution. Welcome to the show, Vince. Thanks so much for having me. Welcome, it's a Vince. pleasure to be here. Now, you've stated uh, uh, publicly that uh, cannabis is one of the first industries to be creating a supply chain after the invention of the internet. I found that mm -hmm. an interesting idea. So how has that influenced uh, the supply chain and how has it influenced cannabis as a way to start off? Yeah, um, it's a great question. I mean, I think, uh, you know, the internet's a pretty big inflection point in the human race and society in general. Yeah. And so, you know, in past supply chains, everything, you know, we like to think about things in terms of uh, sort of a bits versus atoms type framework. And everything before in the supply chain, before the internet was an atoms business. And you know anything that needed to get done required a human person to be there. Everything that needed to get done required pen and paper. Um, you know there were this is before the time of like spreadsheets, like when the alcohol industry was created or the pharmaceuticals industry, CPG for the most part. And now you know with the invention of the internet, what you're starting to see is um, a lot of e-commerce businesses starting to be created. Um, brands really being able to speak to a broader swath of audiences and really reach their consumers more directly. Um, and so, you know, we wanted to bring that similar level of experience, that modern experience into the cannabis industry where, you know, we didn't want to just rest on our laurels and say, hey, let's just copy a supply chain from that worked before when we can build something way cooler and more sophisticated that actually helps brands um, on another order of magnitude. Um, and so what we've built is a wholesale marketplace solution that is similar to Amazon in a lot of ways, given we have the e-commerce portal with a fully integrated logistics backend. Um, so there's your sort of bits and atoms, respectively. Um, brands really, uh, instead of having to work through a traditional distributor to get sales services and help, uh, brands really get to do their own sales now, um, do their own marketing through uh, online channels, um, as well as be able to, um, you know, just ship and sell through our platform and get the exposure that they need to, um, without hiring so many people, um, helps their margins. It helps their brand awareness, exposure, and ultimately helps their um, brand grow much faster. Yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, you know, I was going through your website, and there's there's a lot going on at Navis, and you know, distribution, delivery, warehousing, uh, analytics, your capital services. Um, you know, walk our listeners through, you know, what's going on at Nav Navis and, and uh, you know, kind of, kind of soup to nuts, how does that help them? Yeah, I think the easiest way to explain this is probably from the customer's perspective. So, um, let's say you're a retailer and you're trying to purchase some products off of our menu um, or our portfolio of brands. We now distribute over 125 brands on the platform, which is, um, you know, probably five times more brands than our next largest competitor. So from customer, you mean dispensaries? From or? the dispensaries, okay. yeah. I mean, we have customers on both sides as a two-sided marketplace, yeah. but, you know, we're from, not people for, buying actual, not correct. customers uh, walking yeah, into yeah. dispensaries, the dispensary versus, and the... The brand. Exactly, yeah. The distributor slash yeah. producer. Businesses, businesses. Yeah. And so, yeah, when, when a retailer or a brand, you know, they, they consummate a sale, um, that'll either, that'll go through our marketplace platform um, and it triggers a set of processes on our end to go pick, pack, and fulfill the product, handle all the compliance that gets that needs to get taken care of from a regulatory standpoint. So none of that needs to be done by either the brand or the retailers themselves. Um, and finally, we'll ship the product out. 
And um, you know, beyond that even, that's still half the battle. Um, as a marketplace platform, we also uh, handle collections on behalf of all of our brands. And so collections and payment processing, um, you know, typically when you purchase something on eBay or on Amazon, you know, you pay the marketplace and they'll funnel the money, they'll collect the taxes, they'll collect their fees, and then the rest of it goes back to the brand. And so, you know, we handle more than just the delivery and the fulfillment component, but also the, 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 the payments component. And so for the first few years, we, you know, built out this platform um, and we have a, we, we roughly distribute about 10% of California's market now. It's given us a wide amount of data um, around the product transactions that occur on a day-to-day -day basis, as well as the financial health of many of the businesses that we work with, given we handle their payments, we handle their fulfillment, and, and all the above. Um, we're really deeply nested in the supply chain, and you know, we want to be part of that fabric. So um, as a result, you know, in the first few years, um, when businesses wanted to get to market, uh, they really just needed a low-cost shipping solution to get a product from point A to point B. And now that brands and retailers and businesses want to scale up, launch more locations, launch more product SKUs and product lines, they want to be able to have all the right tools around them from a business standpoint to be able to scale. Um, and so, you know, the, the priority for them before was just launching, now it's scaling. And as part of that, we're also, as a startup, um, evolving with the market needs. And um, that's how we've built our business ever since the beginning. It's just solving problems for our, for our partners. And we've uh, launched, as a result of that, the marketplace platform. We've launched a, um, a fin fintech solution that helps brands get upfront liquidity on their sales. And then we also have data analytics solutions as well um, that can help brands really supercharge their growth and sales. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I'm sold. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take one. Yes. Um, so the marketplace was where the, the buying and selling happens, and the, yep. and the analytics is I want access to this data. Yep, exactly. Uh, to, on on whatever level, it's going to help. And the and the, the fintech side was the cat. What you call your capital services? Exactly. Yeah. So you know so when you should actually provide funds for your. Yeah, Clients. yeah. We provide liquidity in the sense that you know, uh, let's say like credit. Credit. Yeah. 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 So let's say, for example, you know, a brand wanting to sell a thousand dollars worth of product to a retailer. Oftentimes, those sales are done on credit already. So let's say net thirty or net sixty terms. And uh, you know, many brands when they're small or like when they're growing, they want to grow faster. They don't want to wait the thirty or sixty days well, to collect their payment. They can't. <laughs> they can't. They and and off and 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 what we do is we'll buy that invoice, we'll buy that account receivable off of the brand's balance sheet, and uh, we'll we'll wait the thirty to sixty days, but we'll buy the invoice at a slight discount, so yep. we make a little spread of margin there. But it really gives the brand a lump sum chunk of capital day one to go start manufacturing their second batch of products, so that by the time the store level at the store level. They sell through all the inventory that they just purchased. There's already fresh product waiting for them. Um, otherwise, it's this very synchronous, you know, step-by-step -step flow right. where, you know, you get stockouts at stores all too often. Right. Yeah. The obvious part, like it's an underbanked sector. Yeah. yeah I see sure. is stepping in. I mean, credit to try to run a business without some credit, mm -hmm. very difficult. Yeah, it's very hard. Very difficult. You better be pretty successful right off the bat every yeah. day. Every day. Never <laughs> have a bad week. Yeah. Or any. It's cool. Yeah. Um, Think, it, could you think of it? Give us a tangible example of how you integrate with a dispensary type partner, or and then a and then a, a distributor. Like take us through that process, but in in a granular way. I walk in, 
and I buy a product, and how does that interact with your whole system? Yeah. So I can see it from beginning to end. Yeah, and as a customer, as a customer, you mean from a like a consumer every day? I'm a consumer. I don't yeah. necessarily know, but it's if I could actually look into the computer and see yeah. everything that was happening. Yeah, the flow track track. it through the flow through. Yeah, so that we could put it all together. Yeah, no, it's crazy. I mean, um, you know, when from, from the start to the finish, um, you have growers that'll just ma produce the raw material. Let's take for example, you're producing a gummy product that you know consumer wants to buy. Um, they'll take that raw material, extract it. Um, into oil, inject it into the gummies, and, or infuse it rather, and then um, we will actually bring batches of products into our warehouse, and it'll sit in our warehouse for about 30 days. Uh, so, you know, we, we basically manage inventory for about 30 days on hand for, um, for all of our brands. And um, we handle the, uh, in that time actually, there's a separate quarantine section where we have products sit when it first gets into our warehouse, where it's untested product. And it's actually part of the roles and responsibilities of a distribution business um, to arrange and work with testing labs yeah. to get the products tested. There's about seven different testing, uh, or seven different tests that are required under compliance from a compliance standpoint. Right. And um, you know that, that comes to like homogeneity, heavy metals, um, you know things like that, pesticides. Yeah. And um, once we get the green light from the testing lab, then we have a certificate of analysis, test results basically. Um, and we can move that inventory into our main fulfillment inventory. As soon as that happens, that inventory goes live on our marketplace and uh, retail customers, in this, in this case, can go purchase products through the marketplace. And um, once they purchase it, we typically try to hold to a two to three day delivery uh, SLA. And so it'll you know, take about two, three days to get to their door. Um, and then once it gets in the door, a retailer will intake it. They have their whole process. Perhaps uh, yeah, they want to QC things before yep. it gets on the shelf. Once it gets on the shelf, then a retailer can go buy it. Um, so there's a lot of steps involved, and the government's involved in every aspect of it. Every time, I was going to say, yeah, you know, that must be a big challenge because you know you've got to be compliant at every step in that process. Hundred um, percent. Yeah, every time we move product, only distributor, licensed distributors can move product from licensee to licensee, and so. Um, every time we move product, we actually have to notify and tell the state exactly what's moved, when, who the driver was, what vehicle was in, the license plate, uh, all the line items. And so, um, yeah, it's a pretty laborious process. And that, that's where the technology really comes Absolutely. into play, the automation. We are talking with Vince Ning at MJ Unpacked from Navis, talking all about uh, warehousing and uh, marketplace and ordering and connecting uh, dispensaries with uh, suppliers and, and producers. Um, is there an area of the business that you think is the key challenge and that's where you see real growth? Uh, is it analytics? Is it just driving the delivery? It's kind of like looking at Amazon and going, what did they really do better and better every year? And it was, wow, did they get delivery better? Yeah. So like, I think, I think of things and it's already at my door. Yeah. Or is it more of the relationship between what? What's your perspective on that? Yeah. I mean, I think the relationships are really important in this industry, given um, in the, while it's a big market, it's growing re very fast. Um, it's a, it's supported by a small community of operators and entrepreneurs, and so um, it's really important to have those relationships. But I think you know, over time, Amazon's playbook has always been 
you know, a few fold where, you know, they're always focused and similar to Walmart and a lot of these other like e-commerce or e-commerce businesses nowadays, but it's all about, uh, you know, lowering prices for your customers, finding the absolute lowest price in the market for your products, um, faster delivery. So how, how, how quickly can I get it into my, my customers' hands and diversification of products on my platform? Um, because you're, you're going to want to just go to a place where you can find as many products as possible. And so, you know, we, we, we oftentimes think about that as our flywheel as well, as far as um, continuing to scale up our business and how do we, and, and, and ultimately that should translate into providing the best customer experience for, uh, you know, retailers, brands, and ultimately the consumer. Um, and in doing so, we allow brands, more and more brands to get to market. We allow retailers to have more choice in who they decide to carry on their shelves. And you know, finally, the consumer gets all of that access as well. We don't want to be, you know, oftentimes distributors are seen as this middleman, yeah. really bottlenecking the industry. And I yeah. think right. it can be Taking, that way. Yeah, it can be that way. They decide yeah. who wins and who doesn't. They like to be kingmakers. And you know, for us, we wanted to provide a suite of services that can help brands really pick and choose what they need to get their products out to market the best way possible. Well, I think the the one thing that you you kind of uh, hit the nail on the head is really about you know serving your customer and and ultimately your platform allows uh, the dispensaries to really focus on what they should be focusing on, which is helping ultimately helping their customers as well. Right. So it just it will enable the dispensaries to do a better job of treating their customers, which will lead to a better experience, which should help them grow, which inevitably will help you guys grow. Right. Exactly. It's a vir- virtuous cycle. Yeah. Are you guys just, by the way, in California? Yeah, we're, we're currently only in California. Is, does that, uh, from what I've just, the, the tone of your voice, does that mean we can expect you to grow outside of California? Yeah, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the main goal. Is the, yeah, is yeah. there anywhere outside of California? Uh, yeah. Tell, tell us about that. Yeah, I mean, we started in California, and, you know, it's our home base. We, we, we believe that California, you know, Californian society has a, it's kind of this mecca for cannabis where it has right. the heritage, it has a lot of the most mature products. Right. And so thinking about future state scenarios where the walls start coming down on federal legalization um, and state by state legalization, even, you know, we're going to want to bring these brands from California out to new markets. And, right. you know, we want to be that supporting fabric to do so. So in the coming years, um, you know, we're, we want to start, you know, getting licensed in other states that makes sense for our brands ultimately we're going to listen to them for direction on where to go um and you know as a distribution business the more coverage you have we're like we're a utility at the end of the day we're an infrastructure business it's like you know when you look at those ads on at&t and verizon it's like yeah it's more coverage in more places and yeah. that's that's kind of our our mission as well is just to get brands that access hopefully at&t is not your fate like your <laughs> no it's not it's not they just have a catchy that title. was an example by the way an example, that was a yeah. very broad based example they, they have a very catchy slogan yeah great slogans uh, and a great name, maybe. Mm-hmm. Another concept you've talked about that fascinates me is this idea of limitless uh, shelf space. I can't quite understand what that means. Yeah. Because I get it in an e-commerce sense, but you you deal with actual product. Yeah. Um, so tell me about that that idea. Yeah. I mean, I think it's uh, you know for us like we from the from the software e-commerce side of things, it certainly is limitless and. You know, one of the big limiting factors, obviously, the four walls that surround our warehouse and how much product we can right. carry. Um, 
But at the end of the day, you know, similar to Amazon and how they have virtually limitless shelf space, um, you know, we're constantly building out more capacity to bring on as much product as possible. So right now, um, you know, we ship about 10, 10% of California's market on our current footprint, but we're building out more facilities in California alone over the course of the next few years that should be able to support about um, you know, $80 million worth of sales um, on a monthly basis. So, wow. you know, that's, you know, right now it's it's about, you know, I'd say, yeah, you know, probably like one fifth of that, one, eight, one to one sixth. And so, you know, I think um, the industry, we want to grow with the industry. We don't want to like, and one of the things we've been cautious about is also, um, you know, contrary to software, once you sign a lease for real estate and build up a warehouse, that 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 cost is a fixed cost that sits on your balance sheet. Right. So it's all about making sure that we have actually good demand forecasting to understand how the industry will continue to grow, so that it backs into how much real estate that we need. Because once you turn that thing on, it's really hard to reverse. Um, and so you know, we we want to iteratively get there over time, not just like build a million square foot warehouse like Amazon does today and yeah. expect to just fill it up. Are you then in terms of brand or do you yeah look at your brand yeah yeah that's a big part of it as well um, I think because of our model we don't um, so we, we don't actually while we have a marketplace we don't have any uh, you know on the ground salespeople similar to how traditional alcohol distributors have you know they have people you know, with basically shopping menus going door-to-door -door selling things um, and one that's costly but two, you know, humans are biased and they're like, oh, maybe I like this brand more, I like that brand more. And when you have like two competing brands on your platform, it's the same sales guy trying to sell, sell competitor A versus B. Yeah. And brands get really uh, kind of finicky about it because they don't know how you're prioritizing their sales. And so in our model, we remove the salesperson, provided this agnostic marketplace, and actually come into the market at about half the rate that any other distributor uh, offers in the market currently today. And so brands get to take that extra working capital, right. build their own sales team that they need, and uh, ultimately, they have a, every brand on our platform has a dedicated sales marketing activation team to uh, focus on their own brand rather than having one distributor's 30 salespeople focus on 100 brands. You have 100 right. different salespeople. Oh, right. Okay. With the same yeah. amount of cost because right. we, yeah, we give them that margin back so right. that they can go spend on their, their sales and marketing. So let's, uh, let me ask you, okay, five years, two, five years, where do you, where do you see Navis Yeah. Yeah, Where I do you mean, see it focusing. You mentioned the you know you've raised some money. Yeah, raising more money. Yeah, what are the expansion plans that you could tell us about? Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> we want to be a national business. I think, right, like you said earlier, um, California is not where we want to stop. It's just where we started. And moving forward, I think it's as, as more states legalize, um, we're going to be out to market, replicating what we built in California in, in new markets. And I think um, you know. It's, it's always a tough job to expand to new markets with different demographics and environmental um, uh, constraints but and regulatory constraints, but um, yeah, I think what we've built here in California is a very scalable model from the standpoint of the services that we offer, because ultimately, in any, any of these new markets, brands are going to want these things. They're going to want financing, they're going to want fulfillment, they're going to want sales. And that's so, not going to change. That's not going to change. Yeah. And so we hope to bring the same level of um, you know, service to the industry and other markets. We have been talking to Vince Ning at Navis uh, at MJ Unpacked on the trade show floor. Uh, I want to thank Vince for your time. Uh, yeah, if you thanks, want to learn Vince. more, navis.com. Couldn't be simpler. 
Um, Vince, thanks very much. Yeah, nice thank you. I have a feeling we'll all be working for you one day. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds like a great company, a lot going on. So thanks very much. Thanks, yeah, I appreciate you guys' time. Thanks so much. Take care. Cannabis is brought to you by Cash Tech Currency Products, North America's leading cash management provider for cannabis retailers. Cash recyclers, smart safes, software and services, Cash Tech has everything the cannabis retailer needs to track, manage, and secure the cash earned in the dispensary. Don't take chances with your cash. Call Cash Tech and solve the problem. Visit www.cashtechcurrency.com to learn more. MJ Unpacked here in Las Vegas on the, the floor of the uh, exhibition. Uh, and we are happy to talk to Dan Berman from Cannabis PTO. Uh, Cannabis PTO is a pretty interesting uh, concept. It's a business process outsourcing service for literally any company in service, um, dispensaries, so wholesalers, distributors in the cannabis space. So they provide a contact center and contact center services for those companies. Um, Dan has a pretty distinguished background. He has created and managed successful teleservices, customer relationship and management programs for Fortune 100 companies for over 25 years. Dan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's wonderful to be here. So why don't we uh, just start an overview? Um, it's a slightly, it, it's an interesting concept. I, I can't say I've come across too many competitors. We're it. <laughs> Which is pretty cool. So either you're we really smart. We were the first. Really smart or you're, yeah. Um, we're dumb. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us about how it works and give us an overview. Sure. I mean, at the end of the day, right now in cannabis, people are loyal to the plant. They're loyal to the flower. Uh, and they're not loyal to brands because brands are brand new. Right. Uh, it, it's it, the concept of brand loyalty. That's what this conference, MJ Impact, is about. It's just now starting to happen. We recognized four years ago when we got into the cannabis space that we were early. Uh, but I, I love to quote one of our board of advisors, Craig Binkley, who is a former Coke exec. Who's, it's the best line in the world for cannabis. And it's, he says, just because you got a great product, great packaging, great price point, you found a great distribution channel, congratulations. You're 30% of the way there. Right. It really is the customer experience. That's what CPG, Consumer Packaged Goods, has shown us. Coke is easy to copy. I mean, yeah, it's a secret formula, but there are lots of competitors. What is it about Coke that's better than Royal Crown Cola? Why isn't Royal Crown Cola around anymore? It's about the customer experience, the brand experience. And that's what we've done for decades in the pharmaceutical space and financial services, is to create a customer experience, a brand journey. Uh, in the case of pharma, there's nobody better at selling pills than pharma. How do they do that? They do that through a patient journey strategy. We're trying to do the same thing in cannabis and help companies establish strong brands through helping them design and implement, implement and execute a, a, a sound customer journey strategy. So most people, if you haven't heard of the term business process outsourcing or BPO, 
Um, you know, I know for me in the past, it's, it's meant kind of call centers. Yeah. But obviously, you know, the way things uh, change with technology, maybe walk us through some of the other services that you can provide. Sure. I mean, if you pop on a website and you see chat, well, chat should be 24-7. There's so many, even if most brands or dispensaries don't have chat right now, but if they do, after hours, they're not even manning it. Right. Well, the brand experience doesn't stop at 7 o'clock or 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock. That's exactly when the brand experience for most of our customers well, starts. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to talk with somebody. I, I'm looking for a strain. Do you have it? Nobody's available. Well, we can do that. We can staff that. Uh, we have uh, uh, dispensaries. More and more uh, people are communicating by email. They right. just send an email. Hey, do you have or can I get or what is the price of or I placed an order and um, I came to pick it up and it was wrong. Um, uh, help me out. And it's like 75% of those interactions just email. People don't want to call. They prefer not to call. The younger generation prefers non-personal engagement. But that's okay. That's still a brand experience. It's still a brand journey. You still have to answer that email just quickly, right. competently, and make the customer happy. And that's really what distinguishes good brands from bad brands, right? Um, if you go to a restaurant here at MJM Pack and you call the manager, the manager has the opportunity to turn that experience around and turn it to a positive from what would have been a negative. Uh, and so we can do the same thing with, in every aspect of, a, of, a, of an engagement with a patient or a, a cannabis customer along the way. So uh, take us through that onboarding experience. So I'm hearing this and I'm like, whoa, you could solve a lot of my headaches. Sure. Because half my day spent dealing with problems that aren't hard to deal with, that, that require expertise and my time and energy. So what is that? On, so I'm a, okay, I don't know, whatever company you want. Mm -hmm. Take us through a, a case study sure. of an onboarding experience. How do you teach them? Because I'd be nervous. Suddenly you're answering Trusting someone else, yeah, yeah. Well, that's, what if you say something something uh, wrong? And that's, and that's really what the key cornerstone of our business and any outsourcing business should be. Our goal should always be to be an extension of our client. That our customers, when they call us, shouldn't know that it's cannabis BPO. They should right. think it is who they're calling. And we're particularly good at that because we've been doing this for so many years. Um, uh, one of the conference operators we worked with for many years um, before COVID uh, uh, asked us to take over their customer service and especially before a conference, you know, two, three weeks is when it gets really busy. And I saw the conference organizer and she said to us, you guys sound so like us. Like better than us, yeah. <laughs> well, it We're should be. We're not going to talk anymore. It yeah. should be. Well, uh, and that, and that should be our goal because that's our expertise. Absolutely. That's what we do. And now what we're seeing, and now in particular, we're seeing labor shortages out the wazoo. Everybody's struggling, this, including us, by the way. Yeah. This is in 30 years I've been in business. I've never, ever, ever seen a labor market this challenging. It's not a bad thing necessarily. It just is. We know how to deal with it because we know how to recruit. This is what we've been doing for years. We've seen the roller coaster of good times and bad times for labor. And this is no different than other bad times. It's more challenging, but we already know that we can hire for these. We know how to hire for them. And so many of our clients says, I just don't know how to, I can't, I can't even get people. Like if I get them, they, they don't even show up to their first day. It's like, yeah, that's the labor market we're in. Yeah. And, that's, and that's one of the headaches, one of the big headaches that, that you help solve is, you know, I don't have to worry about finding someone that's, and then training that person and managing that person Correct. and payrolling that person. That's you. The, you techno the technology right? lift can be impressive for some of these small companies. Yeah. Um, you know, to, to, you know, it's, it's less now, obviously that's the, you know, the, the, the field is flattened with technology. There's all these cloud 
services that any company can use. Right. Um, but there is still a technology lift. You still have to have expertise. For it sure. does still cost money. You still have to manage it. We do all that. We take care of all that to make sure everything works correctly. And we also have access to state-of-the-art solutions, which a small business might not have access to. Right. Uh, for example, um, uh, 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 a hold process, when you call Delta Airlines, for example, you can hold for 20 minutes or we can call you back. Right. Well, that costs money. That little teeny weeny little feature costs money. Even if your system has it, someone still has to build it. Um, <laughs> so that, those little, 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 little things all contribute to that customer experience. You all automatically include the, we're experiencing an unprecedented call volume. Yeah. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Of course. But, you know, the, the key is to make sure that every customer gets their interaction answered. Now, in terms of, so let's say, do you uh, offer kind of um, multi-language yes. services? Yes. Multilingual is a bit, obviously Spanish is a huge component right. of any con contact center in the U.S., um, in our Canadian office, we're very, very fortunate. We've been there over 25 years. It's our 27th year, I think, in Canada. And we've watched that uh, province change dramatically, the country change dramatically because of immigration. So we have access to all kinds of languages in New Brunswick. Right now we're running programs in six or seven different languages, Italian, uh, uh, German, um, because we find those immigrants in New Brunswick. Um, so, it, it normally in the, in the old days, we'd have to go to Germany and, and create a partnership with a company to do that. We don't have to do that anymore because the language actually comes to us. <laughs> is is, is uh, Cannabis BPO in Canada? Yes. Our, our, we are... We are we, cannabis space there? Yes, we're incorporated in Canada and the... Uh, we're, uh, we're incorporated in Canada. That is our headquarters for Cannabis BPO. It's just easier from a legal and regulatory standpoint. But we have more clients in the U.S. than we do in Canada right now. We do have Canadian clients, and we are supporting the industry up there. Just out of interest, do you find a difference in the two markets? Oh, yeah. It's like night and day. I mean, well, it's, it's, a, it's a real national legalized market. It's different by province, uh, but not like it is here. <laughs> a little bit different here. <laughs> it's still legal in every province. Right. Do you have a geographic... In, in the U.S., is there an area in this country where you see... Your services being used more, utilized more. Uh, I, it could be the obvious thing. Colorado's yeah. been around yeah. the longest, so we're mostly there. Or is it? it it's all over. It's happen. all over. It's actually the newer states seem to be more interested in the services we provide than the, the legacy states. And I think the re I think the reason is because I think more sophisticated money is coming into the newer states. And they're looking for that efficiency. They're looking for those efficiencies. They're looking to get the scale quicker, and that's what we represent as hands and feet and scale. So if I'm adding you know, a dispensary every two, three months, the headache of having to hire for that also and manage and train that is an exponentially more difficult. The other thing that you see is the more sophisticated money recognizes is that one of the M&A metrics uh, that uh, investment bankers look at is revenue per FTE, for, per full-time equivalent. And the call center folks drag that down. So, and if you do a layoff, it, if you're a public company, it, it, it shows badly. So by, by putting those hourly labor behind that wall, we can size up and size down without impacting stock price. Yeah. So without getting into, you know, obviously specific details, how do you price your service? Sure. Uh, every engagement we have in cannabis, especially, is really custom. Okay. Um, and so we do things like help desk for high-end devices right now. Uh, so uh, one of our very, very first clients is a, is a vaping device. And at the time when we started working with them, their devices started at $150 or $200. Pretty pricey. They obviously dropped down like so many devices have into the sub-100. But they still provide robust customer service. So we 
In that particular case, we put them into our shared group. And we have a shared group of agents across multiple clients that don't require really deep training, but you know, basic one, two, three, and you know, if it needs you know, level two, then it has to be a dedicated person. And so for the shared group, we charge on a per minute basis. You know, if I'm on the call for 10 minutes, um, and uh, it's uh, you know, 95 cents a minute, dollar a minute, depending on the skill sets we're looking to put it into, it's a, it's a $10 call. The more common uh, pricing scenario for our clients is on a FTE basis, full-time equivalent. So if you need 20 people, 30 people, one person, two people, we basically hire that and we price that on a per FTE basis. And that can range anywhere from $5,000 to $10,000 a head, depending on what we're looking for. Um, we have some people that require nurses. Uh, we, we have some cannabis clients who have medical science liaisons. These are PhDs. Um, and those are even more expensive. So, but for the basic frontline folks, that can range anywhere from you know five to seven thousand dollars a month per person. We are talking to Dan Berman from Cannabis DPO here at MJ Impact, uh, and learning about uh, an interesting idea of business process outsourcing, which is obviously an idea that's been around, uh, but not so much in the cannabis space. Which uh, leads me to, since you over the last you, know, you said four years that you've been. Have you noticed a changing the changes in market uh, and how that how so what's your thoughts on that what do you what do you see in terms it's of it's mind numbing how much it's changed wow. <laughs> <laughs> numb our minds without being uh, uh, I guess the best way to describe it when we first got into cannabis the early money the early VC and and, and the PE money uh, you know the funds were established were ten million dollar funds twenty million dollar funds and those funds are now you know. Another digit. Lower, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're adding. They keep adding digits, um, and it's 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 it, the, the graph is going directly with uh, 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 the, the growth of the industry, and so what we're seeing is as more bigger dollars come in, we're seeing much more sophisticated management teams. So we're seeing management teams coming in from places like Coke, Nabisco, Kraft, a lot of CPG people, yeah. and they uh, you know so all of a sudden they they understand the value. Of what we provide a lot more. They've been using you forever. They've been they've been outsourcing forever. Yeah. For 20, 30 years, they've been they have understood the value of outsourcing. So yeah, the smarter the smarter money, the bigger money is in, and they're bringing management teams in that appreciate the value of what we bring to the table and why. And I imagine that raises the bar as well. Like it's not enough just to go, wow, you guys will answer emails for me. Yeah, these people are coming in with. We have we have to help design and help them improve that customer experience. How do we how do we help them create that competitive advantage in this now very competitive landscape that we're now facing, which really wasn't that competitive before. Let's face it. Um, it now it's competitive. How do you do that? Well, I call a dispensary um, right now. If they don't have my the brand I'm looking for, I'll just buy something else, right? Uh, but we'll get to the point at some point when my wife sends me to get her contact solution. They don't have that brand. If they don't have it in that store, I'm going to another store. Right. So we haven't gotten there in cannabis yet, but we will. Mm -hmm. And how do you do that? Through the stuff that we provide. <laughs> well, maybe it's, it's in some cities, in the dispensary, we have gotten to that level. Certainly in Toronto, we have. Yes. Where in some blocks, you'll have three dispensaries. Yeah. And if I have a bad experience. You won't go. I literally go. You have choices. Right. Yeah. It's a choice. I just have to take <laughs> 10 steps. Yeah. It's not even arduous. I don't have yeah. to drive two hours. Yeah, yeah. Give us a consider a couple of case studies of a small business because I think a lot of people when they hear this will go I didn't know this was even a, a thing, thing. Yeah. for uh, <laughs> for me 
uh, a smaller business and how you help them. Sure. And then give us a bigger, a big business and how you. So small one's a small dispensary chain in the Midwest, not five locations, I believe, um, growing um, for a small business. And each dispensary had one, depending on the volume, had one to two uh, uh, customer service reps per location. And they were struggling. They know how to grow flour, they know how to retail, they have, but they know nothing about customer service and they were struggling. The labor market switched right. uh, overnight. And all of a sudden they said, we can't even keep people for a minute before we lose them. Uh, so they outsourced it to us, we took it over. Their service levels went through the roof. Calls were being answered, emails were being returned quickly. Customer experience, uh, their NPC, Net Promoter Score, NPS, was going up. They actually measured the Net Promoter Score, which is a very sophisticated uh, thing to do in cannabis. Nobody really does that. So it's like, they're thrilled. Now they're adding, as they add dispensaries, uh, they're able to just not have to worry about that aspect of it. And with more and more uh, of these uh, uh, engagements happening remotely, we're now getting into remote bud tending. So instead of talking to the bud tender in, in the uh, location, they're talking to us. Wow. We see eventually that will be a video bud tender. That's right. amazing, yeah, it's so good. We want to get to video bud tending. That is our goal. Uh, we have several clients who are, will be doing that with us. Right. Um, they've already said they will. So, um, you, so it's kind of, you're getting ready to pay to that right now? We've already been baiting, yeah. We have the plat. The hardest part is the platform. We already have the partner for the platform. Okay. Uh, and that, that really is the hardest part, especially because these, you know, we're pharma. We, we think about rules and regulations. It has to be HIPAA compliant. It right. has to, right. all the, you know, even if we're kind of in that gray area in this business, we're determined to, to, to treat it like a real business. It's one thing that I think, um, you know, people underestimate is um, the cost of not only hiring a full-time employee to do this work, but the cost when that person fails, turns over. When they fail. Right? Or let's say they, they stick around and they're bad. What does that cost you? It costs even more, yeah. right? So you know, <laughs> hiring the wrong person and not doing it correct, there, there is a cost there. So Huge even cost. if you don't measure it, yeah. it's there. Yeah. And you know, I think you know, what you guys do kind of takes, mitigates a lot of that risk. Yeah. I right? mean, one of the things people say is, you know, how can you do it better? I said, listen. We, we turn over, we have turnover, we have bad employees come in all the time. Of course. But we also know when to pull the trigger and say, this isn't going to work. And right. we need to backfill that person quickly. And it's not their problem. It's, it's their not problem. their problem. Yeah. It's our problem. They don't have to deal with the headache of the person filing a lawsuit saying, you fired me wrong. Not your problem. That's our problem. Right. <laughs> so what's your big, and what's your big, uh, your bigger client? Uh, clinical adoption is the holy grail. And what, uh, what does that mean? How do you get doctors to recommend a cannabis brand? There's right. 1.5 million writers, doctors, nurse practitioners, and PAs. Uh, uh, and then you look at the alternative medicine, acupuncture, uh, chiropractic massage, all those types of things, and alternative healing. Uh, those are recommendations too. They're not prescription, but they're recommendations. So one of the things we ask is when you go to the doctor, I, I, I'm 60, and I have to get a, my, my annual, my every 10-year colonoscopy, and the first thing the doctor says is, are you taking Metamucil? Said, yeah. They don't say, are you taking psyllium husk? They're saying, are you taking Metamucil? And I do. I take Metamucil. When I go to the store and I buy Metamucil, CVS brand is right next to it. But why do I buy Metamucil? Because the doctor told me to buy Metamucil. Right. Why did the doctor tell me to buy Metamucil? Well, Metamucil spent a crap load of money educating that doctor on why, giving him samples, coupons, and influencing that physician. This, this is right out of Pharma Playbook that we've been doing for 20 years. This is how Pharma markets OTC, over-the-counter, as well as uh, prescription brands. Uh, Mucinex is another great 
example, when the doctor says get mucinex, he doesn't say get guaiaphenex, he says get mucinex. How do you do it? Coupon, sampling, education, same thing. So a, a larger engagement we've had some great success with is uh, uh, promoting uh, CBD topical brands to independent pharmacies. There's 120,000 pharmacies in the U.S., 30,000 ballpark are independent, not CVS Walgreens. Another 18,000, subset of that, 18,000, we think, based on our data, would be willing to accept CBD brands on their shelves. So we send samples. Uh, we send coupons. Do you like it? Would you like to order? Now, they're not in the wholesale system. They have to pull out their credit card and buy it. Uh, and we provide, as part of the package to them, we can provide continuing medical education credits. Every pharmacist needs uh, uh, continuing ed credits. Yeah. And so we, we worked on a, on a client for a, a multi-year period, basically getting their products into independent pharmacies. Very successful campaign, so much so that they were acquired by a larger player. And, uh, and clinical adoption is what we know how to do. Doctors, practitioners in this country are now being asked by their patients about cannabis, and they don't have an answer. The brands that bring education to bear and provide that education to practitioners are going to be owned forever. So if I'm a doctor and I go on to get my CMEs and I go online and it's branded, let's say, by Canopy, they're going to recommend Canopy brands, just like you recommended Metamucil. So that's a bigger engagement. That's a bigger picture. That's an area we want to live at the nexus of pharma and cannabis because we believe that that is where our expertise is, is most valued. On the medicinal... Kind the medicine science. side, yeah, yeah. Right. science, medicine, because that and, that and that really is, uh, it, it is, when you talk about cannabis as medicine, you talk about the rec market versus the medicinal market. I would venture to say that most patients, even when it is rec, are using it medicinally, uh, with or without the advice of a medical practitioner. Yeah. Wouldn't it be better if it was with the advice of a medical practitioner recommending a brand that they trust has efficacy, is safe, GMP produced, all the things that they ask a pharma company before they make a recommendation. Sure. Dan, uh, lots of interesting, uh, we're going to have to have you back on the show. Yeah. But I think you, I you have more to say. Yeah. I, I think you do. That's what I'm hearing. Um, but I'm going to have to cut you off. I apologize. We're here with uh, Dan Berman of Cannabis PPO uh, at MJ Unpacked in Las Vegas. Um, you want to learn more, go to CannabisBPO.com. Uh, CannabisBPO.com makes sense. Made of the company. Um, Dan, uh, thank you very much. That was really Thanks, interesting. Dan. Appreciate it. It's really a pleasure to meet you guys. Thanks. Business of Cannabis is brought to you by CashTech Currency Products, North America's leading cash management provider for cannabis retailers. Cash recyclers, smart safes, software and services, CashTech has everything the cannabis retailer needs to track, manage, and secure the cash earned in the dispensary. Don't take chances with your cash. Call CashTech and solve the problem. Visit www.cashtechcurrency.com to learn more. So welcome back to the Business of Cannabis. Uh, this is Dave Sky with Matt Cook. And those were two interviews we did at MJ Unpacked uh, from the Mandalay Bay in uh, Vegas. Vince Ning of uh, Navis and Daniel Berman, Cannabis BPO, two new ideas in the cannabis space. One real, relatively new, being the Amazon of, of cannabis, and one taking a relatively old idea, BPO, and bringing it to a new industry. Let's start with Vince. 
the Amazon of cannabis. Is this yes. um, a thing? <laughs> is this going to happen? I think um, it will. Uh, Vince is a very impressive, uh, uh, impressive guy. And, you know, I think based on, you know, what he said uh, during our talk, it, it makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, everything from, you know, warehousing and distribution, um, all the things that probably cause a lot of dispensary owners uh, headaches. Um, it seems like they have a solution. Um, well, at least for, for California for now anyway. Um, but it, it certainly sounds like it solves a lot of, uh, a lot of issues and a lot of problems. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it, it maybe speaks even to a bigger issue, the fragmentation of the cannabis space. So many players creating a, a space in a particular state, mm -hmm. not because it makes economic sense, but because of the regulation. Um, right. Is this a concept that could sweep across the U.S.? Is this a California concept uh, because there's a micro cannabis culture and industry in, in, in California? Um, well, I, I think it has applications across the U.S. Um, over time. Like right now, obviously, federally, it's, there's some, some, um, some challenges. But um, eventually, down the road, this, this is a model, I think, can go right across the U.S., and not even just the U.S. or you go literally anywhere. You know, yeah. I, 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 give me my crystal ball. I wish I brought it with me. I would tell you what's <laughs> going to happen. But yeah, it's like could be one of those businesses where in in five years ago, what, what just happened? They've taken over. What yeah. like Amazon, a twenty some year story. Um, mm -hmm. But definitely a concept where uh, probably a, a fully thought through concept compared to other people who maybe have taken elements of it. They seem to at least be explicitly trying to do it all on, on right. an Amazon basis. Uh, I don't know. Does Amazon at one point go, you know what? We'll do this. I, I don't know. That, that'll be interesting too. If it's federally, if it's legal and federally, I mean, that could be, you know, some of the big players suddenly could say, well, it's just another product to us. Yeah, I think I think by then though, I think the advantage that they have is kind of the first mover advantage. Um, if they get ingrained in the industry, I think sure. people are going to have some loyalty to that. So, yeah. um, you know, I think they've got probably you know a few, uh, some some years ahead of anyone else that could get into the space, and it's not easy to do what they're doing. Um, there's a lot of moving parts, and they seem to have automated a lot of it. Which, you know, he brought up the the point that this is the first. Um, you know, kind of supply chain that's been set up since the invention of the internet. Right. Um, you know, which, which is true. And uh, um, I think they're, um, it, I think it's a great concept. I, I like the idea and, you know, it seems like they're executing well as well. So, um, you know, it'd be interesting to watch over the next couple of years, how it, uh, how it evolves. And there's a good segue into our second guest, Dale Berman of uh, Canada's BPO. You're taking an old concept now. Business process outsourcing has been around, I don't, I'm, I'm making up a number, 50, 60 years, I don't know. A long time, yeah. Yeah, um, and bringing it to an industry that's new. Mm -hmm. So old solutions, uh, I don't know if it's a new problem. It, I, I, it was um, an interesting concept. Uh, yeah, I think, I mean, the, the uh, business process outsourcing, I mean, really it started out as uh, call centers. <laughs> Right. Uh, for mm. large organizations, um, you know, one of the biggest ones is Minax. And that started um, out of uh, 
the need for General Motors to have someone answer their call center calls. Uh, they didn't want to do it themselves. And, um, you know, I think one of the most, uh, I guess, irritating things uh, as a consumer, regardless of the product or service that you're looking to purchase, is either calling in, not getting anyone live, not having someone call you back, um, going onto a chat bot and uh, no one responding. Um, and it's, it's tough. I mean, if you look, you know, from a dispensary owner standpoint, you have got a million moving parts. Um, you've got your bud tenders to worry about. You've got your product, your distribution, your logistics, uh, hiring, firing, training. And do you really want to be, you know, um, doing that yourself, having someone answer the phone, um, respond to email inquiries, text inquiries, um, you know, chat uh, inquiries, uh, or do you want to outsource it to someone who's go going to do the hiring, the training, the managing of those people um, for about the same cost? And, you know, it's just something that you don't have to worry about. So the, the, the concept of BPO is not, is not new, but it's probably relatively new. Um, yeah, you know, after, you know, immediately after uh, Daniel spoke, the thought was going through my mind of it's easy to say those things. It's very difficult to make those decisions because what is core? What is really important to you? What do you want control over with your own people in your own sort of, you know, environment? It's not, it's, it, you know, so it's easy to say let's outsource uh, I don't know, talking to your customers. But we've had people on the show who say, we're all about our customers. All we care about is our customers. Customer experience is the core of what we do. And so oh, and, those are difficult and, and, decisions. And I, and I agree with that. But at the same time, you know, if you're talking about someone that's going to be, you know, answering calls and emails and text messages, um, is that a high value touch point? Yeah. You know, I would, I would argue... I would argue it's not. The high value touch point is when they come into the dispensary and they're talking to a bud tender. So as a dispensary owner or manager, do you want to be spending your time? Because these types of positions turn over uh, quite regularly. That's the um, other point, yeah. Right? So if you've got, you might have someone for three months and they leave, okay? Now you've got to start the recruiting process over, the interviewing process over, the, the training, the managing. And then those people turn over. So you can waste a, a tremendous amount of time and money um, trying to get someone who's literally just going to be the first point of contact. Um, That's true. It's not just the cost of the person. It's the process No, and around cost, managing that whole yeah, process. <laughs> the cost of turnover is, is you know, is astronomical yeah. uh, when you think, think about it. And, you know, Dan's company has been doing this forever and you know do they have turnover absolutely but you know they're in the business of bringing people on and training them and managing them to certain uh, you know kpis um, that allow you as a, a manager or an owner of a dispensary to just focus on the, those high value touch points well we're gonna have to leave it there um this is dave sky with matt cook uh from mj unpacked uh, and for the rest of the month, we are going to be bringing you uh, interviews from MJ Unpacked and uh, MJ BizCon. Um, so we're looking forward to that. Yeah, it's been an unbelievable week. Um, I, I really enjoyed uh, both, uh, both conferences. Uh, we'll definitely be back next year. And for anyone who is considering coming and, and 
kind of hummed and hawed about it and didn't come, uh, uh, I would highly recommend coming next year. So until uh, next week, uh, from uh, Matt Cook and me, this is the business of cannabis. You're listening to Hayes Radio Network, Cannabis Lifestyle Radio.